Hello and welcome to the CA Agenda, a brand new podcast brought to you by ICAS. I'm your host, Indy Hoti, and over the next few months, I'll be speaking with some truly inspirational CAs about the challenges and opportunities currently facing the accountancy profession and the wider business world. This podcast is part of the CA Agenda Thought Leadership content series from ICAS, which focuses on the three key themes of technology, trust, and talent. Go to ICAS.com and search CA Agenda to explore our thought leadership content and learn more about the agenda. On this episode of the podcast, recorded in November 2019, I'm joined by Susie Curtin. Susie trained with Baker Tilly where she cut her teeth as an audit supervisor before joining accounting software provider Clearbooks as their CFO. It was during a time here that Susie saw the vast potential that cloud accounting has to change the way that accountants can work for the better. Building on the appreciation for technology, her executive level experience and spotting a gap in the market, Susie went on to co-found Xyla Accountants where she is currently CEO. Susie, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. So where do we start? Going from Baker Tilly as an audit supervisor straight to a CFO with, with Clearbooks. I'm not aware of the timeline, so talk to me a bit about that, that journey. Um, so I qualified with Baker Tilly in 2012 um, and straight away I wanted to broaden my horizons and I opted to go on secondment to Argentina for four months. Um, very different kind of way of working and really opened my eyes to how things work in South America. I was very lucky to have that opportunity and uh, stayed with Baker Tilly when I came back for about another year, I'd say. Um, and I still had this travel bug, so I still wanted to take time out of my career and I took another six months. And it was actually while I was traveling that um, I was contacted on LinkedIn by the uh, founder of Clearbooks. Um, so I remember having my interview with Clearbooks via Skype from Panama, which was um very cool experience, I suppose. Wow. And um, yeah, so when I came back, I started at Clearbooks straight away. Um, I was 26 at the time, so Clearbooks was an unlisted PLC. Um, so I was thrown straight into the deep end. They had everything they could possibly have, like um, share investment scheme for the employees. Um, obviously, a lot of shareholders, they just done a crowdfunding round of 1.6 million. Um, had about 40 employees at the time. So it feels like the answer to becoming a, a CFO is to basically go on, on sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. But, <laughs> but I guess, um, um, dwelling on that a bit more, how, how did you feel? You know, you're Susie, you've, you're, you, you're traveling at the moment, you're in Argentina, sorry, you're in Panama, sorry, and you're invited for an interview for a CFO level position. Were you feeling quite nervous at the time for that kind of, that kind of executive level role? Yeah, of course, I didn't. I didn't fully know if I could do the job. I remember seeing a, the Richard Branson quote, um, if you're offered an opportunity, say yes, and then yeah, see if you can do it later, which is exactly what I did. I, I mean, and if I hadn't taken that advice, I wouldn't be where I am today, I don't think, because you, sometimes you just have to take the leap of faith that, and ha- be confident in yourself that you can do um, the job. Also, like the CA training, obviously, was that, that gave me the confidence that I knew how to do it. Yes, I was go- I was going to touch on that. Obviously, there's a there's a core competency part to that, and I guess the the CA qualification, the chartered accountancy qualification, um, allowed you 
obviously to even have an opportunity to to apply apply for that role right yeah it's it's all about um i suppose thinking on your feet any problem you can solve you don't have to know everything straight away and everyone really is kind of learning on the job um so i was thrown in the deep end but I really i learned so much in that time i was there for two years so before we we jump into sort of your experience at clearbooks and there's a really interesting piece around um, going on secondment and sabbatical and you touched on the cultural element and understanding different different cultures i think it for a lot of millennials and gen z that's uh, a a big sort of target to work towards a lot of people would like to go on secondment or work work abroad and what are some of the the benefits that you saw or in on reflection what are some of the benefits of of having traveled and of having gone on a secondment um, I think mainly it's about being outside of your comfort zone. So in Argentina, obviously, they're speaking Spanish, very different culture in terms of working life, coming from London, which is very high-paced, hectic kind of city. Buenos Aires is more laid back, um, potentially more dangerous. Um, I was there by myself and didn't know anyone. So I suppose that the work bit of it wasn't, as important for me it was I was obviously I didn't really learn anything accounting wise more life skills of being outside your comfort zone meeting new people every day speaking a different language um and like thinking on your feet all the time (laughs) no definitely (laughs) I I'm I mean uh, harking back to my sort of experiences you know taking a year out abroad etc yeah I really valued that as well I think it was just a wider understanding of the world, the dynamics yeah, of how people work and, and different cultures, right? Mm. Which just gives you that well rounded view when you're when you're in the office and you're day to day and you're you you speak to someone from a particular country or particular yeah. region and you immediately have that connection because you have some, some common mm. understanding. Yeah, yeah. So going back to your role at Clearbooks, obviously a very very challenging role, but also very, very interesting and um I no doubt potentially very rewarding as well for you in a number of ways. Um, but talk to me about day one in the office. What was that like? Um, well, I had come back from travelling, so it was a bit of a shock being back to work, I remember. Um, but also I was just really excited to kind of figure everything out. And obviously I didn't, needed to know every kind of aspect of the finance function of how to run it. I was like from payroll, the VAT returns, all the bookkeeping... I was literally doing everything um, and just learned very quickly how to delegate, how to be very task orientated, get things done. Then also looking at the bigger picture of where the business was going. Uh, I had 10,000 customers at that point. So and just doing crowdfunding, it was a point of change in the business. That, that That's a really, really interesting point that you mentioned there, especially around you know, having to delegate and being task orientated. I guess when you when you first start your career as as an accountant in your training, you focus on the details and, and making sure the quality is there and getting things right. Um, but then I guess that executive level role forces you to have to step back and take that high level view, take that strategic view. Um, so I guess during that time, did you did you have a mentor with you? Yeah. So. Being at Clearbooks, that's when I really got involved in ICAS because I saw it as um, a network that could support me professionally that I didn't have at Clearbooks because obviously they're just a cloud accounting software provider. It's not. And I think I was, apart from the founder, the first 
like chartered accountant to be hired, which is quite surprising. That is very <laughs> surprising. The first chartered accountant to be hired for an accounting an account software. Is yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's when I went to ICAS and through the One Young CA, which we met through as well, I met um, Carrie Tucker and she became like an informal mentor for me during the time I was at um, Clearbooks and that was really helpful, like a great support. Wow, so this is a perfect example of the power of the ICAS network. Yeah. And it's really interesting because when I have conversations with individuals and, and fellow CA members, I think sometimes the, the, the dynamic that people forget is actually you may go from role to role throughout your you know, 20, 30, 40 year career, mm-hmm. but the ICAS network, the ICAS brand, the CA qualification stays with you throughout all of that yeah definitely um and so it's it's it's, a, it's an important thing to to remember yeah so during your time at clear books which was just under two two years and thinking about that that opportunity that that came your way while you whilst you were traveling and on reflection now do you think it was the right choice to have have taken that opportunity yeah definitely it was i think one of the best career moves i'd made um very scared to do it at the time because being the first job out of my um, audit supervisor job I didn't have any experience of working in an actual business or like running a finance function I'd, I'd done bookkeeping on the off chance in the Guildford office of Vacatilly but nothing formalized so it was a total leap of faith um, but I'm really glad that I did take it so you should always have the confidence that you can do it because your CA training will back you up in the end an absolutely fantastic story Susie especially around taking those risks and taking those opportunities and also leveraging the ICAS network uh, that's available to you to find those mentors that you that you need yeah definitely I mean since I've left Baker Tilly ICAS has really been my professional network because I haven't been in big corporates and that's been the most valuable thing and why I'm so engaged with ICAS currently and so following on from from Clearbooks and this is a really exciting bit, especially around the topic of entrepreneurship. It always gets me very, very excited. So you spotted a a gap in the market. Tell me about how 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 that how that idea came about around setting up your own practice. Um, well, my business partner and I, Latha, we met at Clearbook. So she was um, the support accountant. She joined um, just a few months after I had, and um, we'd worked together quite closely on a project, and we just worked really well together. Um, and parallel to that, she was support accountant, so a lot of clients were, or customers of Clearbooks were calling up and she'd be looking in the accounts and the accountant wasn't really going into the account for like the year, but they were still paying their monthly fees. And we were just discussing it. We thought it was really unfair that people would be paying for a service they're not getting. We just thought, thought there were there was potential to be really hands-on accountant and just speak to people in plain English, explain terms that can be complicated but explain it in a simple way which I think technology like Clearbook Zero which everyone's familiar with that has really enabled people to be able to do their own bookkeeping now so the role of the accountant has changed and I think accountants are changing they need to change their services be more transparent in their fees um, which is all for the better because it will benefit businesses and people are more appreciative of it so you identified a gap in the market in terms of that personal touch, having the ability to uh, explain what could be quite complicated topics in plain English. 
and also leveraging technology around all of that. Yeah. I remember when I went to Clearbooks, I was astounded at the technology and the bookkeeping. I'd never seen it before at Baker Tilly. Obviously, just doing audit files and even the bookkeeping that I did there was very manual, paper-based kind of work. So when I saw Clearbooks, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is going to change everything. Um, so I was so glad to have the opportunity to really uh, learn that technology. And then I just saw the potential for being a totally digital practice without any paper. And so going back to the early days of of your practice, how did you secure your first client? Because that's always <laughs> an interesting discussion for any, any entrepreneur. Yeah. A friend, obviously, has to be a friend that starts starts you off. Um, just did a friend's account and knew that I could do it. <laughs> so they they were the they were the pilot. They were the guinea pig. Yeah, they were the guinea pig. No, fantastic. It's always the way, right? It's fr- yeah. friends, friends, friends and family. family. Yeah, um, really important at the start, and also then just having the belief that you can do it. And so transitioning from your role at Baker Tilly to then becoming a CFO, to now being the co-founder or CEO of your own practice. Yeah. How did this, how did the sort of work life differ? Were there any new challenges that you, that came up during starting your own venture that you hadn't experienced before as a CFO or during your time at Baker Tilly? Yes, that is a very good question. And the first thing that springs to mind is running your own business you can never really switch off I think it's always in the back of your mind how the business is going where's the next client going to come from how you're going to grow the team those kind of things whereas when you're in a um, a job that's not like not your business you can I think it's easier to switch off sometimes you can compartmentalize it and that's something that Lata and I have really worked on we try and switch off when we're not in the office turn off notifications on your phone don't be um, constantly looking at the emails and take take your weekends. I totally hear where you're coming from on yeah. that. And I can resonate with that. Absolutely. Having run, run my own practice and consultancy business, you're always thinking about your next client and the yeah. fact that technology now is at your fingertips and people can, can, can reach out to you so many different ways, whether yeah. it's email, phone, you know, via socials. Yeah. There's just so many ways to reach out to you, so many communication channels that you can quite quickly feel overwhelmed and always be sort of plugged in, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how, so you talked about sort of ways to, to manage that and for, I guess for any sort of entrepreneurs listening or, or would-be entrepreneurs listening, yeah. I guess what are some of the tools that you found? I mean, for example, for myself, it was really compartment compartmentalizing my diary. So if yeah. I've got time off to really block it out as, you know, time off to read or time off to go to the gym or just, you know, for an evening out with, with my wife, for example, yeah. to just give me that break and to support my mental well-being. Yeah, I definitely think that is the key to to managing the stress of running your own business. Um, like, like you mentioned, I also try and... Um, put things in the diary so even just going to play basketball going to tennis like put it in the diary so it's that is your time off of work and you never miss it basically Lather always says that your body is your client as well so if you don't look after yourself you can't look after your business so you really have to invest in yourself um I learned that the hard way I'll just share this experience with you when I first started the business um probably a few months after I got an ear infection um, I think it was from stress. Looking back at it, back at it now, I can see that 
was just taking on too much obviously just starting the business really worried about it actually being successful being able to do this for a living um and I ended up getting labyrinthitis and I was basically I don't know if you know what labyrinthitis is but you you lose your balance in your ear and you can't like stand up it's like being on a roller coaster oh wow so, so kind of dizzy feeling. yeah so if I stand up I would be sick um so basically I had to go back to my parents house for a month and not do anything um and that was my body telling me to like not take on all this stress and like trying to manage it better so from then I've really learned my lesson in terms of not not worrying about work as much and doing other things that will keep your mind busy um because obviously stress will come out in your body some way it's gonna you're gonna have an illness or something like that so that was a really vital lesson and um experience I would share to to warn people not to not to stress so much no, that's a very, very, very important topic. Mm. And I guess during that time off, you've probably had a lot of time to reflect on, yeah. I guess, you know, how far you had come in terms of the business and to recognise that. But I guess also some of the habits that you that you needed to stop. Yeah. And also, like, the business isn't the end of the world. Like, if it doesn't succeed, it doesn't matter. You tried and you can fail. So not to... I pro- probably was quite anxious about it at the beginning. Um, but it really ta- taught me a really valuable lesson. So talking about technology it's a very hot topic in the industry it's one of the pillars of the ca agenda around technology so you know where do you see this technological revolution taking accountancy and accountants as a whole i think eventually everything even down to the vat on each line item will be automated so it will eliminate the bookkeeping element of our jobs um also i with the likes of coconut um which is a banking and accounting app i think the banking and accounting will all be consolidated so like it will just be able to analyze everything from when you buy something it will know if you're in tesco buying something for the business it will know automatically what it is so that element of our job will go but as you mentioned before that will give us more potential to do to analyze the numbers I don't think the analysis can be taken away. I think human beings will still be analysing that. that. That's a really interesting point. So it's the it's the human element, the insight, the experience that can help you drive sort of you know certain strategic decisions and yeah. to help advise your clients. And also, ultimately, I think people still want to talk to people. It's always better to speak to a person than a computer in terms of giving advice. So I think, I don't think our profession is on the out and um, I know I know from my clients they really value us even just having a meeting every month just to reassure them of what what the numbers look like how they're doing where we could see improvements also having worked with HMRC and all their government gateways making tax digital I don't think their technology is near enough to be able to eliminate accountants you always need us as agents to be a supporting the business, dealing with HMRC in, in that, those kind of terms. So do you actually think that's one of the benefits of your practice? Because I guess you've started from scratch and you've adopted technology um, as one of your core tenets of how the business operates versus, say, a traditional accountancy practice, which may had, have had more paper records. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We are very lucky in that respect. Like Our infrastructure is all in the cloud, so I can work from anywhere. I don't need to be in the office 
the only paper we have is from HMRC, unfortunately. Um, sometimes send send accounts to companies' house, but um, I suppose that is our advantage. And being on the members in practice advisory board, there are like a range of practices there. So some practices are um, more old school, maybe I can say. Um, but for example, our anti-money laundering checks, we do that all online now and it's for us it's not a not a big deal if there is more regulation we're just going to use a technology solution to um solve that we're not it's not going to be an obstacle for us um and i think also we are quite agile in the way we work we're always looking to improve we're not stuck in our we're not stuck on a certain structure if we see there's an improvement to make we will try and implement it very quickly you mentioned there the Members in Practice Advisory Board. Yeah. So that's a board that sits within ICAS. Yes. And it's made up of, um, of members who run their own own accountancy practice. Yeah. It's how ICAS try to help the smaller firms. So um, if there are small member firms, like up to probably 10 partners, I think, um, it's just the voice that those firms can go back to ICAS and say, we need more support in this area or ICAS could be doing this for us. And and that that role that you have, that's also a very senior and executive style role. So talk to me about that experience. Yeah, as chair, I suppose I'm always trying to push the conversation to be what, how can we benefit the members? Because I don't want it us to just be talking about things in the meetings. I want us to be able to bring solutions and points that will help the members and help ICAST if they're missing out on any potential customers as members in practice um technology we did amicus is a new technology that icas have partnered with for the anti-money laundering um checks so we have implemented that in our practice um and i've done some uh events with receipt bank which is a technology that um can scan receipts and upload straight away I I uh, I am a user of receipt receipt Very bank. Good. Um, <laughs> it's made my life a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> and this is probably quite a a personal question, but you know, wanting to take the road of entrepreneurship, um, and people have lots of different uh, rationales and reasons as to as to why. But what was your big why? Um, one of the big things for me was. Um, being able to choose when I work and who I work with, where I work, those kind of, um, I suppose, life choices. Like you want to live, you want to be happy in what you do. And if you can choose the clients you work with, if you meet good people that are doing good business, you can build a practice that are like of good clients. Um, and yeah, I just, I never liked the whole idea of being so many hours in the office um and like not having the work-life balance so then if you're working for yourself you have that control um over that element of your life that that, that makes a lot of sense so it's all around structuring your life right and the life yeah. that you want to live and designing designing your your career and your business around that yeah that was a major factor for me no oh, fair enough i think i think that's really interesting and you get lots of different different answers i know for myself personally I I find joy in seeing something grow. Yeah. 
So seeing something grow from, say, an acorn to a tree, that classic example, yeah. and nurturing, nurturing that growth, growth and watching that. Yeah. And so that's what I find really interesting about a business going from an idea to then setting up a website and then a logo and then, you know, very colloquial term to becoming a proper business. And you're like, mm. wow, I've got clients, you know, you know, I've, I've, I've set this up. I'm, I'm starting to invoice my clients for this. We're starting to get testimonial and feedback. Yeah. And you start to realize that that momentum starts to grow, right? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. The testimonials are the best, I think. Yeah. I always try and get those from clients because I think that's that's ultimately why you're doing it. And when, when they say you've helped them or you've really taken the stress out of accounting in my example um i think that's the best feeling you can get that that's what makes it all worthwhile yeah another topic that comes up time and time again is really around mindset and entrepreneurship there are always setbacks there are always challenges there are always obstacles and there are a lot of business leaders that talk about this and it's one of those things i feel is always easier said than done Um, but talk to me about your mindset around entrepreneurship and business I think I've taken a lot of my mindset from playing sport and being quite competitive person. Um, obviously, when you're playing sport, the ultimate scenario is never give up and you're always trying to win. And I think it really translates into business. Um, you should never give up because even if, if a client leaves you, there's always a lot of other, a lot more businesses out there that you can work with. And having the confidence to keep going and keep growing your business. So as a successful entrepreneur who runs their own practice, what advice do you have for those young CAs that are looking to start their own business? And I'm sure there are many of them. I would say try and start it on the side as a side hustle. Try and build up some momentum when you can. Um, I would say start... I would say start with someone so have a co-founder because looking back on that episode I had when I was ill if I hadn't had Latha there it would have been so much more difficult and I think having someone with you on the journey that is as invested as you are because it's their business as well is really key to success at the beginning co-founders make a big difference yes, right 100% <laughs> it's always nice to have someone someone to to lean on yeah and I really had a, I've had a quite a few interesting conversations with VCs that sort of fund a lot of startups and a common theme that seems to come up is always is always around the founding team and yeah, they're always looking important. at more than ideally more than two to three individuals yeah because that shows that actually they're bringing together a strength of qualities and there's actually a team dynamic there yeah and they're always quite concerned when there's a single sort of founder of a business, mm. which I found was a really fascinating insight. So actually that yeah. drives also investment behavior if you were a startup looking, yeah, definitely. For, looking for investment. I think it's a lot of pressure for one person to deal with, like for one person's mental health to deal with all of the pressures of businesses just can be too much. And of course, you're, you're kind of, you're the receptionist, you're the marketing yeah. person, you're the delivery person, you're the customer services person, all, all rolled into one, mm. right? And if anything goes wrong, who can you ask, basically? Mm. I think that's that's some, some very sage advice in terms yeah. of starting small, starting on the side, building it up slowly. Um, the piece I would add, and I think what really benefited me 
was actually having a plan. And it was really interesting that mm. when I first started the business, it was kind of like an idea it slowly grows. Yeah. But I didn't, hadn't actually formalized it into a plan, right? And then I was thinking uh, the light bulb moment, which was like, well, you know, I'm always developing plans in my day job, <laughs> in my role. Mm. It's a cornerstone of what I do to be organized. Why am I not translating that into sort of your own business? My <laughs> business. Have you ever had any of those experiences where there's certain things that you, you, you're doing in your own business? And you're like, you know, I know better than this. I, I know the core competencies. Why am I not applying this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's probably the same one. We have we have a now a five year plan turnover wise. We've really gone down into the detail of how many clients we need to get every month. Um, when we'll be able to take on another person, all those kind of details was at the beginning we were just thinking oh we just need to get a few clients as we've developed we've obviously done what we tell our clients to do in terms of a financial forecast i'm glad i wasn't the only one (laughs) (laughs) i think it's a common common theme (laughs) definitely so we're coming towards the end of the podcast and there's always one question that i like to ask it's a bit of a cliche question but i think it always gives some really interesting answers so what what is one piece of advice that you'd give to your younger self I think I would advise my younger self not to worry as much about things not working out and to to have the confidence that things will work out because in life if whenever you work at something put all your effort into it I believe a good thing will come out of it so just not to worry which is very hard um, (laughs) for a young person when you're first starting out in anything to be to be calm and relaxed and to yeah. have, have patience, right? Yeah, that's a really, really key skill to to learn. Some some nuggets of wisdom there. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today, Susie. Thanks for having a, me. It's been an absolute pleasure. If anyone who is not an accountant would like to get some advice, how could they reach out to you? Yeah, so our website is um, www.zyla.accountants. Um, and you can contact us through there. I'm happy to speak to anyone about any of the topics that we've spoken about on the podcast. Fantastic. Thanks for your time today, Susie. Thank you, Indy.